Welcome to the Axial Spondylarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life better. Welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast. Today, I wanted to look at pain and spondylitis. And so I happened to come across this article in myspondylitisteam.com. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. And it talks about looking at how to manage some of the symptoms of pain and spondylitis. And then I really wanted to throw in some of my own findings from the last 30 some odd years of dealing with this. Not that it's right for you. It's just some things I've come across, some things that have helped me and, and some things that haven't helped me but may help you. That's the really... I guess hard thing about this is that what works for me may work for you or may not work for you. So again, well, none of this is medical advice. It's just some tips. Like every episode, I want you to use these as a basis for conversations with your rheumatologist. Hey, I've I've looked into this a little bit. You know, we we've considered this, we've considered that, and how do you think this might affect me? And this is the conversations that you want to have with your rheumatologist and your general practitioner as you look for developing your treatment plan. So again, let's look at the spondylitis. And you know, with the chronic inflammation that are caused by the spondylitis, also called spondyloarthritis, you know, many people get diagnosed with the condition and we experience significant back pain. That's a lot that I see all of you know, right off the bat is my back hurts. Ankylosing spondylitis, which is what I was diagnosed with in 1984, was one of those forms of arthritis that causes pain in the lower back, joint pain, sacroiliac joints. It's all connected to that hips and that spine. There's also other types of spondylitis, including, you know, like cervical, that can work on causing neck pain specifically to you. So as you struggle with, you know, any of the the pains, look at some of the ways that you can go about helping to control it. Some of these may be things that you've tried, done, or are doing now. Others may be, depending on where your journey is, something that's new or that you haven't tried, or even in the case of something like a biologics or exercise, you might be afraid to try. First off, the easiest thing said is take the right medications. The problem is that's easier said than done. It's very, very difficult to find those right levels of medications at times that are going to work for you. And so many times I see people come on and try to explain that this is my first biologic. They're pinning all their hopes on it, whether it be Humira, Enbrel, really doesn't matter which one. They're pinning all their hopes on it that this is going to reduce the pain. Well, I understand that you want to have something reduce the pain and I completely get it. The key to remember with these is that it might not work. You might have to try a second one, a third one, a fourth one. The key is keep trying until you find that one that works. Because if you give up, then, you know, after one or so, then you're going to potentially rob yourself of finding that good treatment plan that was going to work for you. So as you start looking for those right combination of medications for yourself, usually the doctors are going to try you off with just the basics NSAIDs. Those are going to be the anti-inflammatories, the basic ones, to try and bring down some of that inflammation and see if that helps you before moving on to some of the the heavier ones. Those can be things like Advil, you know, just general over-the-counter type medications that they'll use to try and lower it. If those don't work, then the doctor's going to look at other what are called DMARDs, disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. Might start you off with some of the 
the real basic ones like a sulfazine or a methotrexate. Not that those are basic as far as the potential side effects they can cause. It's just those are sometimes the next step as to what they look at to treat you. Then after that, you might look at a biologic. Uh, they might go right to this instead of just the beginning DMARDs. The biologics could be things like I mentioned, like Embril, Humira, Cosentix. And there's a number of them out there, even one now called Renovac that is one you can take orally, which is a, a first. But again, you're going to have to try these. What works for one person might not work for you. And what one person might experience for side effects, you might never experience or you might experience something completely different. So a lot of times when I see people come on and say, on the forums, I should say, and they start asking about, well, tell me everything you experienced with Humira. Well, it's really not going to help you. Those type of questions have been answered a thousand times, and there's really no way to know what you're going to be experiencing. Now, does that mean you should not be aware of things? No. If there's something major, should you call your rheumatologist? Yes. But go into it with the idea, if you can, that these things are possibly going to help you and see what happens. You take it once or twice. If there's some really severe side effects, talk to your doctor about those. See what they have to say. If it's something minor that you think, oh, I might could live with this, loose stools, uh, a pain at the ejection site, soreness. If those are considered minor by you, move on and, and continue to deal with it and see if it helps you. Because again, some of these can take up to six months before you see any noticeable assistance. And one of the key things to remember on these DMARDs is they are not pain medication. Remember that. They're not pain medication. They're designed to reduce the inflammation in your body and thereby reducing the inflammation as a side that might reduce some of the pain that you are experiencing, but it's really to slow the progression of the disease. Pain is a secondary like benefit of these. The mitigation of the pain, I should say, is a, a, a secondary benefit. It's not the primary purpose of these medications. So make sure you're completely understanding of that so that when you go into it and you don't feel instant pain relief after one or two injections, you're not going, oh, it's failing. I'm, I'm not working. I'm. I, it's not helping me. It, it may be. Its job is to reduce that inflammation and bring it down to a normal level or a, you know, normal as it can be so that your body is not experiencing that progressive deterioration of the joints. There should be some pain leveling off or reduction from those, but that's not the primary purpose of that medication. And that's very important. I see a lot of people mistake that and think that I'm going to take Humira because it's a pain medication. It's not. Or any of the any of those type of biologics. Another thing that you can take is corticosteroids. Those are usually only prescribed for short-term pain management during like a flare-up you know, where your inflammation gets out of control. They're not used for long periods of times. They can quickly reduce the inflammation and swelling and, you know, get you up to where you're back and moving and let maybe that biologic start to catch a hold of it again. But again, they're only used for short-term time frames. They're generally not something you would be on long-term. You know, it's going to be like prednisone is really the main one that I think a lot of people get prescribed. Then there's other painkiller medication that you might take. Those could be stronger opiate-type pain meds, muscle relaxers. They will not treat the spondylitis. Matter of fact, they might in some ways hinder it because they could mask some of the places you're feeling pain and allow you to not realize that that biologic is working or not working. And so use them sparingly if you can so that you are always attuned to what's going on in your body. I know we all want to try and get out of pain, but sometimes as you're trying to work through and find the right 
treatment plan, some pain is good because it allows you to target and go in and work with your doctor to say, this is where it's mostly hurting. This is what I'm experiencing. And then the doctor can get a real good idea of what's some of the good options that they can use to help you gain a better quality of life because that's really what it's all about. The other thing you can try is physical therapy. Some people like it, some don't. You know, it really depends on what you feel your level of pain is, I guess, at any given time. Because the physical therapist is going to work you. They're going to stretch you. They're going to move you around. They're going to do things that ultimately are going to hurt. They may be good for you in the long term, but in that short term, they're probably going to hurt. You're probably not going to like to do them. And that leads a lot of people to want to not go to physical therapy, when in reality, the long-term benefits from the physical therapy can, it can be very, very beneficial. There's also exercising. Now, I've done two episodes in the last couple of months on exercising with Alex, and I'll have links to those episodes below. I'm also going to have a link to one of his YouTube videos, and it's talking about how he got started as he tried to beat the chronic inflammation and the chronic pain surrounding his ankylosing spondylitis. I'd encourage you to listen to it. I'd encourage you to start off exercising. In many of his videos, he talks about you don't need to, you know, work your body to fatigue. You don't need to work your body to exhaustion. You just need to get the blood moving, to get the stretching going, to keep your muscles active. And he has hundreds of videos on YouTube to, you know, help you get going. And then you can also, if you're so inclined and want to retain him for his services, that's available. All this contact information will be in the show notes. But again, look at these videos on YouTube that he puts out there. Get moving. That doesn't mean you have to do strength training. That doesn't mean you have to do jumping rope. But you can use the walls to stretch. You can do stretching in the morning. You can get up and walk around your living room if you're afraid to go outside because of any particular condition or reason. There are ways that you can exercise. They can be very slow. I walk with a cane. I've had four total hip replacements. So I find that anyone that says they can't exercise in any little bit, there's little things everybody can do. Not all of us are going to be at the same level. I'm certainly never going to run a marathon. I'm okay with that. But I can do push-ups. I can do stretches. I can do some of the basic stuff to just continue to move and try at a minimum to maintain the quality of life that I have now and not have it minimized even more. You can also try things like hydrotherapy. Hydrotherapy, you know, getting in the water, going to a lake and swimming, going to a pool and swimming, whatever it is that you're able to access. Swimming is some of the best things for it because it removes that pressure off your joints and allows you to better move. Find the best option you can. See what's available. And if a pool's not something that you can use right now, maybe it's something you can work up to, but just do some exercise. Watch Alex's video and see if you find that motivating to get going and start. And then there's the old standby that you see thrown out all the time. It really is something that may help you. That's yoga. I've had the gentleman on for yoga for AS before. Both Jeff and Jamie have ankylosing spondylitis like Alex. They've just came at it from a different angle and they're using yoga. There's people doing it. You don't have to go and do all the hardest things out there. Start off as low as you can and build up to it. You know, that's the key is just move. I encourage you to move. The more movement you do, generally the better you will feel. This disease loves you do not move. With that, you know, use this again as a basis for what you're going to talk to your doctor about. Talk to them about using exercise as part of your, your medical treatment plan. Go out and walk around your block. 
go out and lift a, a bag that has a can in it. Do stretches against the wall. Do some yoga if you can. Look at the yoga for AS YouTube. I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. All of this is something that you can rely on to help you continue to fight that you can do just about anywhere. There's nowhere that you can't find a wall to lean up against, to stretch your neck against, to stretch a shoulder against. It's there. You just have to do it. You need to get in there and and just do this. Add it to your daily plan after you talk to your doctor about what they feel is the level that you should start off at and then do it. I look forward to hearing from you. You know, this is one of those episodes where it's not a real deep episode. It doesn't go into just a specific topic real deep, kind of covering just a broad base. And I, I really hope you enjoy it. I hope you go and watch Alex's video, uh, the yoga videos. They're all there. Work on finding those right medications for you. And then, you know, just continue to move. That's something that I did not do as much as I should have. And now that I wish I could, I've got some inability to do some of the things I'd like to do. So don't let yourself get there. If it feels like I've been harping on you to exercise, it's because I am, because I don't want you ending up like me. You can continue to push yourself and just do it incrementally and keep that quality of life that you have. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. And I look forward to talking to you soon.